Praise God. So uh, last week I did a Father's Day message. Uh, we had a lot of stuff up front, uh, really beautiful things. You know, Jimmy had shared what's going on with the orphanage uh, that him and Rochelle are, are well, not really orphanage quite yet, but where they're helping a ton of kids over there, giving them the word, giving them food, and they're gathering together, and you saw a lot of the pictures, and, and that's one of the ways when you give to the ministry here at Blessed Hope, you're actually helping a ton of kids over in the Philippines. It's pretty exciting. Thousand uh, dollars we've used to build that up, rebuild after the typhoon, and uh, it's just beautiful to see what the Lord is doing there. Uh, but we, so we, sh- we had a few things that had to go first, so I didn't really get to get, it, and we still had a decent message. My message was still longer than most messages that are given throughout the country by far, but I wanted to do another one, but not strictly to men, but for moms and dads, okay? And for all of us, whether you're mom or dad, doesn't even matter, just your role as being an example, because guess what? I try to tell people, Paul said he would that all were like him, he was single, but he said not everybody has a gift of singleness, <laughs> and it's a trip, and Jesus he never, Jesus was not married to Mary Magdalene, contrary to what some of the Gnostics want to think, right? He was single, amen? And they had more impact. Those two, Jesus, of course, <laughs> by far and away, he's the, he's the God man, amen? But Paul was the greatest missionary that ever lived. So it, singleness in the body of Christ is to be praised if God's called you to that, amen? And Paul calls Timothy his true son in the faith. He calls Titus, another pastor, his son in the faith, and we all, every believer, should be impacting other believers that are around them. I gave a message a few months ago on mentoring, and I talked about how Elijah, Elisha had Elijah, amen, how Joshua had Moses, how Timothy and Titus, they had Paul, amen, and I gave various other examples where we need to be setting an example for others and discipling others by the example that we give them and that we live out in our lives, amen. We need to be impacting them and encouraging people in Jesus, amen? And the impact that you can have on people uh, is just beautiful, it's powerful, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it, it's life-changing. And sometimes, often, millions of times over, over and ever, over again, the impact that God will use you to have by bringing people to Christ changes their destiny, amen? It's the gospel that changes them, but he uses us as his hands and his feet, amen? And God wants us to have an influence on our children. And I thought, wow, this is interesting timing for this message because when I gave Jim the name of the message, he goes, that's interesting, that message title in Basin Roe versus Wade getting turned around and because it's about basically children and it's about your walk with God. We're going to give an account before God, each and every one of us. And the account that we're going to give is how we responded to the gospel. And if we're saved, we won't be damned but as believers will be rewarded according to what we did or didn't do in relation to God's commands and, uh, and calls to duty for us and in relation to loving our neighbors as ourselves and being examples and parents and what have you. And last week we looked at uh, some words and I got, only got through a couple of the words and there was, because I've been astonished in my studies in the last few years how many words are translated example, pattern, right? Uh, and, and so forth, that different Greek words and their different subtle differences and their meanings. And it's fascinating to me how many of these words are used over and over again. If you're reading the Greek New Testament, that just jump off the page that say, hey, you know what? We need to be examples to those around us. And one of the words we looked at was in 1 Peter 2.21, where it says that Jesus has given us an example, right? And the word was uh, hupogramo, right? And hupogramo was... Uh, 
compound word which means to actually put like a piece of tracing paper over, the, the kids would put, you know, paper over, or not just kids, artists, you know, and then they would trace what was underneath, like we do today. Often kids learn to write that way, right? Uh, and it was also used of something that you would draw out. Artists would draw before they'd put paint to paper. They would draw a sketch, you know, and Jesus gave us an example that says that we should walk in his steps. Amen? And we're to follow his example. Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 15, I've given you an example, right? When he washed their feet. Amen? And he said, happy are you if you do likewise. It was an example of serving one another. And Jesus said, when a disciple is fully developed, he will look like his master. Okay? And we're all discipling people. Do you know that? We're all discipling people because by whatever example you are, you're discipling them for good or for evil. If you're a parent, you're discipling your children in your home. The question is, how are you discipling them? Toward the Lord or away from the Lord? And if it's toward the Lord, how diligently are you discipling them and taking that seriously? You know, it's away from the Lord. Jesus said, he that's not with me is against me. He that gathers not with me scatters abroad okay so if we're not gathering we're scattering if we're not for him we're against him and i think that word hoopagramo is just an awesome word and we talk about how peter says we're to follow jesus steps and jesus even suffered for the truth he was reviled but didn't revile back there's be a lot of reviling right now over Roe versus way there's a lot of things going on churches being threatened and pro-life centers being defaced burned down things like that and they'll happen more and more as i said before if you can kill innocent little babies you can certainly kill people that you, you're against, okay? Uh, and it's gonna become wicked. Uh, but when we'll be persecuted, the Bible says, for righteous sake, all those who live godly in Christ Jesus, Paul said, will suffer persecution. That's part of the deal. But Jesus is given an example because he was on the cross and he re was reviled, but he didn't revile back. He committed himself to the Father. We're supposed to follow his example, okay? And then Peter goes on to say a little bit later that he didn't, that since you become a Christian, Peter says, they're shocked or surprised that you don't run with your old crowd anymore into dissipation, into drinking parties, into getting drunk and partying and all that. In other words, true Christians don't live that lifestyle anymore. If anyone be in Christ is a new creation, old things have passed away and all things have become new. So your kids should be able to look at you and say, my mom, my dad, they don't go out and get drunk. They don't live for themselves and the sins of the flesh anymore. They live for Christ. In fact, they go out and share the gospel or they go out and encourage their friends or we, we, we stay home and have wonderful times in the Lord together. And our entertainment is not evil. If we have any, whatever entertainment we have, it's wholesome. But we don't live for entertainment. We, they live for Christ. Amen? So they need to see your examples. And it's important because I found it, it's interesting uh, when you consider the scriptures. We looked at other scriptures too. Other word, not just uh, hupogramo, but we looked at another word, which is memetes. Memetes, and you remember that's the word mimic. The word mimic or mime comes from this Greek word. And it's used over and over again almost every time in the New Testament. I think every time in the New Testament, memetes is used in a positive way when I did my word study on that. Wow, it's used several times, but it's used in a very positive way. And kids will mimic you, okay? Kids will mimic you, and you need to be very careful. And it's used in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, where Paul says, be what? Imitators of me as I am of Christ, amen? 
And Paul said what he taught to Timothy, Timothy was to teach to other faithful men that they could teach to others, amen? So we're supposed to have an example that's followed from generation to generation. Here you see Mary lost her, and she loved her so much, and she, her grandma was so loved and such a sweet lady, but her grandpa and her granddaddy loved Jesus, you know? And then goes from them to mom, goes to, you know, Mary, family, you know, you pass, you know, you see Nicolette and uh, a love, such a love for Jesus. And, and by the way, we're so blessed to have Greg and Mary uh, in so many ways. You know, Mary teaches one of the women's Bible studies in our fellowship. Mary teaches one as, or Lori teaches one as well. They both are awesome teachers. Uh, Greg is up there with your young people almost every Sunday. And wow, what, man, what a ball of energy he has for, you know, his age. Not that he's old, but, you know, he's, you know, got, a, he's got so much energy. And he just, he's getting those kids all excited about Jesus, singing songs, learning songs, and so forth. And, and uh, you're blessed if you, you, you can come to a fellowship and set your little kids up there. And he, they've got... Uh, he has an impact. <laughs> he leaves an impression. I, I see brothers and you know, sisters going like this. It's, it's beautiful. It's powerful. You want to have an impact. You want to, people to be able to see Christ in you. Amen? And it's so important. And we looked at a lot of scriptures that use that word, so I won't go through all those. But I'm reminding you. But you don't want to, you, kids will mimic you, so you want to make sure you're not a bad example. I read about Gray Baker. He goes golfing in Jackson, Mississippi, apparently a true story, and brings his three-year-old grandson, Trevor, golfing with him. And Trevor watches him golf, and the first time Trevor goes golfing, or watches grandpa golfing, but when Trevor gets home and they're having a barbecue, later that day, Trevor says, watch me. Everybody watches him, he has a little golf club, and he uses a bad word, never used before apparently, and he throws the golf club up in the pear tree. <laughs> Mimicking who? Grandpa, okay? Kids, we have, I, I, when I was doing an expose against pornography uh, a month ago, I mentioned to you that we have genes that are mimic genes, they found, that we mimic what we see, okay? Adam and Eve, when they were created, they walked with God in the coolness of the garden. He gave them his word, amen? We're to imitate the Lord, amen? But now man has fallen, and a lot of the examples we see and that our mimic genes see are prone to mimic that which is contrary to righteousness. And it's critical as Christians, we don't walk according to the flesh anymore. Amen? Walk in the Spirit, it says, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. And you'll have an impact on those around you. And we overcome the curse through Jesus' blood. He's, he's one that overcame the curse. Amen? And then we have empowerment to now walk in righteousness and walk in newness of life. So it's important that we mimic Jesus, that we follow his example, and that we recognize that we're to be examples to others around us. Not just kids, not just children, but to one another, amen? When Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ, he's talking to other Christians, amen? Which he views at many of them as his children in the faith because he led them to the Lord or he's discipling them and what have you. Another interesting Greek word that's translated example is dekumi, dekumi. And I thought, wow, this is one that was newer to me because I was piling up these Greek words through my studies. When I, and it, what was interesting, that wasn't like, what are the different words, example, model, and so forth, and what are the Greek words behind those? I was just, through my years of study, you come across you know, a word that I thought, That's, they've always stuck in my mind, the Greek words, for example. And I piled a few of them up, and I was like, this is one that I hadn't seen before until more recently, and it's dukemi, or, or dekumi, and dekumi is used in 2 
Peter 2.6, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, he condemned them with an overthrow. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah? Just not just older men, but the young guys too got together, bent on sodomy, homosexual sex, and tried to rape the angels who had come in the form of men there in chapter 19 of the book of Genesis. is that God rained fire and brimstone down on them. And to this day, when you go into that region of the world in Israel, you go to southern Israel, heading toward, you know, Elot or, you know, toward Egypt, but still in southern Israel, you get by the, 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 the Dead Sea there, uh, you see the remnants. And they're writing here, you read in uh, uh, Jude 7, listen to this, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for example. Or this translation I wrote down, for a showing, means to show, to be an example. Be subject to the vengeance of eternal fire. Wow. An example. And to this day, in that region, guess what they find all over the place? It wasn't just Sodom and Gomorrah, it sees around them. They find brimstone. Things were burnt to a crisp with intense heat. And guess what science has? No feasible explanation for it. Because there's no volcanoes in the region. It's just all over there. Scientific fact, it's there. You could do your own little, go to YouTube and just type in Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, science, fire, brimstone, you'll, you'll see documentaries where they say, wow, maybe it was a comet that hit. Well, I don't know exactly how God did it. I just know he did it. Okay? It's pretty amazing when you think about it, you know? But it's interesting they, so you can use, and I've done this with my children growing up, and by the grace of God, they're following Jesus, they love the Lord, but I gave them examples of what, how to live, but I also would give them examples of what not to do. And I wasn't that dad was like, oh, I don't want to, you know, my kids will be squeamish and da-da-da. I was like, no holds bar. I see Proverbs, I read Proverbs, and the Lord makes it really clear to his kids, don't do certain things, because I want them to learn lessons really quick. And when Holly was just a few years old, and there's a cat in the street, you know, and I come home and I see it, it's dead. I was like, oh no, I don't want to see a dead cat. I took her out of her car seat, two years old, maybe three years old. And I said, see that cat? Because Holly liked to run off a little bit. I go, it ran in the street. That's what I mean when we say you can get killed. It's dead, you know? And she's like, oh, daddy. And I put her head closer to it. Daddy! No, no, that didn't happen. No. She actually, I was actually kind of bummed because she looked like uh, totally unmoved. She's like, hmm, you know? She didn't even go, hmm, she just looked. We walked in, it's like everything's, I'm like, well, God's made them in such a way where hopefully Lord's still got the message there. And, uh, you know, she's been a great kid through the years, amazing. But, uh, but examples are very, very important, you know, to give uh, to our children. In fact, James 3.13 says, it uses the same Greek word for dukemi. Uh, who is the wise man who is endued with knowledge among you? Who's wise among you? Let him show out a good conversation, it's talking about the way you live your life, it's using that old King James word there, and his works, uh, and in his works with meekness or humility and wisdom. So if you're a wise man in Christ and sister, if we're wise in Christ, we're supposed to show forth our humility and our wisdom in Christ by the way we live as an example among our brothers and sisters. And that's really, really important. I thought it's interesting too, because you can look back and you can tell your kids these stories and say, hey, look, this is what God deals. That's why you don't just, you know, get on social media and say, oh man, you know, look what's happening here. You know, people are changing their sexes and so forth. 
okay? You can't really change your sex, did you know that? Okay, you're, you still got XX or XY chromosome either way. You can, you can take puberty blockers. You can get, disfigure your body with invasive, you know, surgery. Uh, you can do all sorts of things, but we're created male and female, you know. I saw an interview with a gal recently. My heart just broke. And she had made that supposed transition from female to male, became a guy when she was just, I don't know, 13, 14 years old. She, she had a, she's like, I'm going to do this, you know. I don't know how old she was exactly. And, uh, but she looked like a female again to a great degree. You know, I mean, she looked, I really couldn't tell she ever had made a transition to male. But she started talking about how, and I, it's funny because a week or two ago, I was talking about how, uh, how a lot of young women are the most vulnerable to, uh, more than anybody, to this, this deception of changing your, your gender. And that's because they're on social media and they're being told that, you know, they aren't, they, a lot of them want to be the victim. But especially if you're like a, a white woman, you're the problem. Or a white man, you're a problem. And guess what? White men, let's make no doubt about it. They were a huge problem in the times of slavery, amen? They were, they were, they were enslaving a lot of people, amen? You can't deny that. You have to fess up to that. Praise the Lord, there were many men and women that gave their lives on the battlefield to free slaves. But guess what? Uh, a lot of people are like, I want to be a victim again. Or how come I'm not a victim? Because there are, you know. And so guess what? If you change your gender, you can become a victim. Also in a victim crowd. And I mentioned that a lot of people make this transition because everybody wants to be a victim today. And, they, and a lot of these young white girls, white men too, young white men, they want to be victims. I'm not a victim in this society today. I'm, I'm privileged. Well, guess what? I'll become a victim. I'll change my sex. And pe- then I'll be one of the people that people root for in social media. And guess what? That was a week or two before I saw this interview. You know what she said? She said, you know what? I wanted to identify with victims. I wanted to be a victim. I'm like, that's just what I was saying. And she said, and I thought, I'm going to transition. And she said the tactics that they use to get you to think that you need to change your sex. I mean, it was crazy to put doubt in your mind whether you're supposed to be male or female. She was saying the bullying tactics that are used in social media They'll ask you questions, for instance, if you're young, you know, and you're, you hear your voice, a tape recording of your voice, or you hear it on a voice, you hear your own, your own voicemail, and you're uncomfortable with it, that probably means that you shouldn't be the sex you think you are, and you should change your sex. Anybody ever hear your own voice for the first time and feel uncomfortable besides me and think, God, I don't like my voice? Anybody? Raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> you still don't like Hannah's voice? I love Hannah's voice. Oh, good. No, I was going to get you in trouble. I'm messing with you. <laughs> he says, I still don't like my voice, you know. And, uh, but you know what? That's every one of us to one degree or another. I guess we're the wrong sex. Do you think you switch your sex and all of a sudden you like your voice? Because you see me, I become a woman and I like, now I hear my voice. And I don't sound like, hey, how you doing? And I'm like, no, I don't like, sound like a woman either. No, no, I really don't like my voice, you know. But the thing is, is people are getting all messed up, you know. And they're, they're making people think that they should be another sex based on them not liking their voice and other th- ridiculous things like that. Or now some places, I mean, three years old, you know. There's a lawsuit right now in California where a woman, uh, different teachers at school have this during the lunch, you know, a club or a class or what, I mean, and they're encouraging children to make transition, but don't tell their parents. 
And she was livid, crying before well, a city councilor who, she's got the lawsuit going right now. My kid, what did they do to my kid, you know? And they told her kid, you know, you should try to find a, a, her daughter, you should try to find a male name now, teachers, okay? This isn't policy in our public schools, but this is what's happening with some of the teachers, amen? We are in a country where uh, we don't know the difference. And then what they're trying to do, they're trying to use minority status and say that your sexual preference, what you ever you want to sex you want to be, that's another racial classification. That's wicked. Because what you're doing, you're diminishing what happened to the slaves in our country and, act, and trying to get mileage out of what they went through and hitching yourself to them and saying, that's me, because I think I should be able to have sex with kids. Pedophiles are doing that. That's next, by the way. I've been warning you for years. It doesn't end here, guys. It went from homosexuality out of the closet homosexuality not just being accepted, but homosexuality. And we love, Jesus died for homosexuals, amen? So whether, but we do believe the Bible calls fornication, adultery, homosexuality, bestiality, pedophilia, all these things are not right before God. But Jesus, we love those who, everybody here come out of different sins, amen? Okay? But as far as now it's being celebrated and paraded, you got the gay parades and everything, and not only paraded, but it's being put as higher and better than heterosexuality. I mean, I know that because you ever see the X-Men? One of the top 10 movie genres of all time, X-Men. Uh, I don't have time to get into it, but the main director for the, some of those X-Men movies who got arrested, by the way, or is in trouble, I should say, right now because of different actors coming forward as kids saying that he was having sex with them. But he mentioned, he acknowledged that, that the X-Men, and these were guys that have special powers, right? And they're coming out of the closet that they're analogous to the gay movement. And the X-Men are superior to regular human beings. So it went from being shameful in the closet, to out of the closet, to in your face, to parading, to actually with some people teaching that it's better than heterosexuality, when the reality is, the reality is, guys, is if I all of a sudden start to prefer men instead of women, that doesn't make me a minority class as far as race goes. And as far as race goes, we know as Christians, Christians were in the forefront of the abolition movement during the times of slavery, and they ought to have been. Why? In fact, uh, I love uh, Adam Clark, John Wesley. John Wesley, Adam Clark was his top theologian. They wrote against slavery. They helped lead the way against it, especially Wesley and Wilberforce. But guess what? They ever understood that we're created red, whether we're red, brown, yellow, black, or white, there's really what? How many races are there really? One human race. And different colors of pigmentation in our skin and so forth. Uh, and I would, I would love if the Lord would just switch up the colors for a little while for people, you know? <laughs> To get them to see, hey, guess what? You know, it's skin deep, you know? But it's interesting uh, what they're doing is they're trying to make this a racial thing. That way, if you disagree with, could you imagine saying, well, me preaching against adultery? And then all of a sudden them knocking on our doors saying, Joe, you're gonna get arrested because that's a minority group. They, they, that's the race, that's how they were born. They were born adulterers. Well, I'd say, yeah, we're born in sin with sinful natures, but it doesn't make it right. No, you're going to jail because you are a racist speaking against adultery or homosexuality or whatever. But they won't do it against adultery. They'll do it against speaking against homosexuality. In fact, it's really easy for pastors not to talk about the topics we're talking about. I was talking to a young gal who we did a wedding over in L.A., not far from Dodger Stadium yesterday. And uh, it was a beautiful time. Uh, you guys may know Garrett and his lovely now wife, Jessica, uh, they come off and on because they live a ways away. Garrett came to a lot of the men's retreats and stuff. Beautiful couple. But the photographer there, she came afterwards. 
you know, we start talking. She goes, I know Blessed Hope Chapel, you know, and, and she goes, I know Travis. There's Travis back there. She goes, I love Travis. He loves the Lord, you know, and he does, and we had a great talk together, and, uh, and she was talking about how she has a pro-life ministry, and could she sit down with my, me, and I said, I'd love to. I go, I'd be my wife and I, because I don't sit with gals alone, but yeah, I'd love to. We could do that. I go, we have a very strong pro-life emphasis in our fellowship, but I'd love to sit down with you. That'd be great, but she was saying it's really hard going to pastors because they don't want to talk about the issue because they say, oh, it's political. Can you imagine being in Nazi Germany? We don't want to talk about the Jews that are being killed because it's political. To not talk about babies being killed when they're the most innocent in our culture is cowardice. I'm sorry, especially if you're a pastor. Let the little children come to me for such is the kingdom of God, amen? So we need to take a stand and I praise God. She's a young gal, man. She's fired for Jesus, loves the Lord. I thought, praise God, God's getting a hold of these young people rejoicing that Roe versus Wade was overturned. But this term showed. The way you live your life is how, what you show your kids, how you show your kids and others how to live their lives. That's why we're called not to put a stumbling block before our brothers and sisters. That's why the Bible says if drinking your wine, you can't get drunk, it says, but if you're drinking just a little bit of wine, you shouldn't do it in front of someone that could cause them to stumble. You gotta be very, very careful. So if you think it's cool to drink a little bit of alcohol and then you're putting on Facebook and advertising, look how cool I am. I can drink a little bit of alcohol. Wow. Now it doesn't, doesn't get me, oh wow, that's awesome. You know, why, why is it cool? I don't know why people think it's cool. Well, I'm gonna leave that between the person and God, but you're called not to cause people to stumble, okay? You know, I didn't have to worry. You know, my wife and I gave an example to our children. We didn't get drunk. They saw that. We didn't even drink. I'm not saying you can't drink. But none of my children, by the grace of God, go out and get drunk. I don't have to worry about them getting in a car accident because they're drunk. I don't have to worry about them not entering the kingdom of God because full stop, you know, we're examples. And if you drink a little bit of wine, you better make it very, very clear to your kids you're not getting drunk. You're not even by that line because you don't want to set an example that puts them in a car accident that's fatal. Okay? So we need to show, and by the way, that word show, it's used in Matthew 4, verse 8 and following. It's used in Luke chapter 4 of how Satan showed, this word that's used as an example, Sodom and Gomorrah going up in flames, he showed, same word, okay? Uh, Dekumi, he showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world, and Luke 4 it says, in a moment's time, he gave them a vision, Gave Jesus a vision of all the kings of the world. You can have power over all these. I'll give you them if you just bow down and worship me. Jesus says, written, thou shalt worship who? Thou shalt serve the Lord and worship him who? Only. Amen. Only the Lord. Praise God he did that. Amen. Otherwise you and I wouldn't be able to be here today and be saved. But Satan shows kids examples all the time. I mean, I've been telling you for years. People thought, I'm sure people would think, oh, man, Joe, I love his preaching, but you know, he's, 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 he's a little fanatical sometimes, man, because he warns about Disney. Now, a lot of pastors warn about Disney. They finally caught up. That's because I knew that Disney's name in the, in the theme parks is Yensid from Fantasia, which is, which is, which is uh, Disney spelled backwards. And if you go to Disney website, you'll see that he's the sorcerer, right? And Mickey was the apprentice. And, and guess what? Disney himself himself was a member of the AMORC, the Ancient Mystery, right? 
of the, of the Rosicrucians, okay? The ancient mystery order of the Rosicrucian or the Rosy Cross. And that was an occult society who existed to disseminate occult material and make disciples of the occult world, which is forbidden in the Bible. And he was a member of that group. And then he starts Disneyland. Oh, it's so beautiful. The, the, the best place on earth for families. And they go and they get all this occultism more than any other institution on the planet promoting occultism among youth, youth for decades and decades. So a lot of people say, Disney would be rolling over in his grave right now. I'm like, no, he wouldn't. In fact, guess what? The AMRC, A-M-O-R-C that he belonged to, that group, they got their first charter from Crowley, the OTO. It was under char uh, his charter that they functioned, and they used his seal, his, his uh, you know, eye in the triangle and stuff, became, they just took it straight over to themselves. And Disney belonged to that. It's crazy. And now, right now, we're being told in Disney, you know, I mean, when DeSantis, the governor over there in Florida, was saying, he passing the bill where you can't, you know, teach our kindergartners that it's okay, you know, it'd be good for them to transition to another sex. And now they're putting, you know, in their last movie that just came out. And by the way, when he did that, there was a backlash. Disney leaders, right? Top employees got together, had a Zoom meeting saying, hey, one of them's like, hey, and she's a TV animator, right? Producer, television producer. And she says, I put queerness everywhere. I put it everywhere. And nobody's trying to stop me. In other words, said, we want to make 50% of our characters uh, LGBT plus, Q plus, and, with, and other minorities. We're great with minorities. True, you know, racial minorities, but it's in your face. And then when Roe versus Wade just passed, guess what Disney did? They said, well, what we're going to do is we're going to pay for these gals to go to their states to kill their babies. Oh, they, of course, they didn't say kill their babies, but to abort their babies. Abort what they would think, would want us to believe are not babies. So you guys, they're just one of many corporations that's saying that they're going to do that. There is a spiritual war going on right now to this day. And I'm letting you know, and this is why I emphasize this point, is because how our kids just overnight, like never before, all of a sudden they're all struggling with, you know, uh, you know gender dysphoria, as it's called, gender confusion. You know what? In their last movie, it just came out. It bombed, by the way. Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear, one of the main characters in Toy Story, right? Chris Evans or Chris Evan did the part because who was the other actor? What's that? Tim Allen. Yeah, Tim Allen. They didn't ask him back. I don't know if he's too conservative for them or what, but they had Chris Evan who said, oh, the belief, you know, the dinosaurs don't agree with what this, because guess what? His main sidekick, Alicia, you know, she's going out to outer space with him and she gets married to another woman. And she kisses the other woman. Most people don't want their children seeing men kissing men in a sexual way, in a way of, hey, we're, we're a couple, or gals kissing gals. In fact, you know what? I don't even need my five-year-old or seven-year-old grandkid to see I don't, a Disney movie where a, husband, where a man and a woman that are just dating are kissing. They don't need to see that. But putting, you know what I'm saying? In fact, it's interesting because according to the Gallup polls, 3% of people in our country have identified as being, you know, LGBTQ or GPTQ. Uh, 
plus 3%. But I found interesting is 90% of that 3%, when you look at the finer print, are in heterosexual relationships. So the 3% is even inflated because a lot of these people, maybe it's virtual signaling or whatever else, they're not in those relationships because it includes those who are bisexual or consider themselves bisexual. So, it's, so some would say, why are they shooting themselves in the foot? Because they lost a lot of money so far. I mean, they're not making their money back. If they, they probably make their money back. A lot of people don't think they're gonna make their money back because it bombed because there's several countries that won't even show the movie like you're right now. And it did, it did bad in our country too, you know? Uh, China, I think, I don't know if China showed or not, but a lot of times they say no. They said no, that's what I thought. Uh, a lot of Muslim countries, of course, and others are saying no. They don't want that in there promoted among their people. They look at it as destructive. So it's quite interesting. Yet Disney caters big time to China. But they are on the rampage, even in the, getting the political scene against his uh, traditional and biblical moral values. There is a war going on. I'm saying these things to you because guess what? Satan showed gave an example to Jesus of what he could have if he'd bow down. Your kids are being shown with all the bells and whistles, all the special effects that, that money can buy, programming, programming. Your children are being programmed by big media to think it's okay for people to be involved in what the Bible calls sexually perverse activity. And then if you look at the outcome of what's going on right now, I mean, there's diseases popping up still left and right. Monkey disease right now, which is primarily among the gay and bisexual community. You know, monkey pox. It's not about monkeys. Monk, remember AIDS? I remember in the 80s. I'm old enough to remember the 80s when they say, oh, it's from a green monkey in Africa. No, it wasn't. It's primarily among the homosexual community. And monkey pox has nothing to do with monkeys either. Okay, and I was just reading about another disease that's prevalent in Florida right now among the homosexual community. And if we love homosexuals, we'll say, hey, God loves you. Jesus loves you. He made you in his image. Male and female, he made you. And he sent his son to die for you. He cares about you. He loves you. I'm a sinner just like you. Without the grace of God, I would be doomed. But God's given me a new heart to follow him. And the Bible says, if you love me, Jesus said, if you love me, you obey my commandments. Amen? Then you'll want to do what's right. You'll want to grow. But you've got to recognize that. So this isn't, we need to recognize those who are caught up in these lifestyles pray that God gives you compassion and mercy for them, but enough love to speak the truth. Amen? So I'm not condemning people that don't know Jesus. I'm saying they need to know him, but that's not my point. My point is warning you with regard to your children. Don't allow them to get pulled down into this moral cesspool. So many movies glorify adultery today. They glorify fornication. You know, rarely do you see a, a hero that's married in a, in a, in a, with a, to a woman and both of them have a healthy relationship. I mean, think about it. When's the last time you saw a movie where the husband and wife just loved each other and it was a healthy relationship, was beautiful and everything? And, and you might, I might see one or two hands go up and then they feared God and they prayed together and they loved Jesus. Oh, then all the hands go down. Oh, well, I, well, it's a Christian movie then, right? But that doesn't even reflect America. They don't reflect in American Hollywood. There's millions of couples that love Jesus and, you know, have a moral, moral convictions. Amen? Now, it's interesting we, uh, we move to the next Greek word that's translated example, and this is for all of us. It's tupas. Tupas. Anybody remember that word? We've talked about that word, but not so much as the word example, but it's from the word tupas that we get the word what? Typology. Amen? Typology. Because we love typologies here in this fellowship. How there's so many pictures and types of Jesus in the Old Testament. Prophetic pictures of who Christ would be, what he would do. And it just strengthens your face. You're like, wow, 
God used Abraham to offer up Isaac as a picture of how he would offer up his son. Same mountaintop, 2,000 years before Christ came, right? He carried the wood on his back like Jesus would 2,000 years later. The gospel was preached ahead of time to him. Uh, and in the mountain, God tells him, don't kill your son. And it's called, in this mountain, you know, over Jireh, right? The Lord shall provide. It shall be seen. Amen. The Lord's going to do this. And he did it with Jesus. All these types and pictures. But guess what? The word tupas means example. Okay? It means to set as an example as well. In fact, it's used, the word tupas, it means example, it means model, it means image, it means pattern, because these typologies are pictures or patterns of what Jesus will be in the Old Testament so often, amen? Well, the word tupas is also used of the pattern or example that you are supposed to be. When I did a wedding yesterday, I mentioned, I spent a lot of time on how Adam and Eve were a picture of Christ's and his bride, yet they blew it. And Christ came to reverse the curse, and he takes his bride, the church, and as Adam went to the tree of knowledge, right? Eve came out, was brought out of his side, and he went to the tree of knowledge in disobedience to his father to keep his wife and death spread throughout the world, that Jesus reversed the curse, and his side was opened up on a different tree where he went to it in obedience to his father to get his bride, which is the church, amen? And water and blood came out of his side. And as Eve gave to her husband the fruit and he died, the church, the women in the church, the first ones who saw that Christ had been resurrected, they went and brought the truth from the garden to the disciples. The fruit of the gospel that he lives. Amen. And they brought life back into the world. How precious is that, by the way? Sisters, I love that, man. For, I love that for my sisters. That God said, okay, I'm going to use a woman to bring the gospel to my disciples and reverse the, show the message can be shared by male and female and that women can bring life into the world. Amen? All this is just so rich. I love the types, but guess what? You are a living type. You're a living example. The question is, is what example are you being to others? And I love this. When Paul uses this word in 1 Timothy 4.12, you know, about how we're to be, you know, examples. And he says that... Uh, he says, in, in order for others, Paul says to Timothy, to follow you, he says, you must be a model of faithfulness, purity, and perseverance in godly living. Okay? That we're to be examples. Timothy was to be an example of tupas. Okay? Uh, of faithfulness, purity, perseverance in godly living. Don't give up. I know it gets tough. 1 Timothy 2, 10 and 11 Paul uses this word, he says, or I'm sorry, in 1 Timothy 2 and 11, he says, now you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, <laughs> love, perseverance, persecutions, and suffering. Titus, he says in chapter 2, verse 7, in all things, showing yourself a pattern for good works, in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, uh, seriousness, sincerity. Peter uses the word, tupas, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 3, where he talks about elders are not to lord it over people, but are to be examples of good works. Amen? Very, very beautiful. And by the way, the word tupas uh, means to strike, to, to lay it down a blow, okay? And it's interesting, to lay an imprint. And the idea is that a type or pattern is to have an impact where that pattern can be seen in what it's impacted. Think of uh, the old typewriters, right, that we used to use. Older guys like me. You know, I remember having typing in, in high school, you know, you're trying to get up to 50 words a minute or 60, you know. I never got up to 60, but you're typing in a, and those little hammers are leaving those imprints, right, on that paper. Well, God wants us to leave an impression on our children. 
from our lives. And that only happens when you're filled with the Holy Spirit in a good way. And you love Jesus, amen? And you live as an example, okay? It's very, very important. In fact, this is a sad thing I read, and this was from a book. This is really actually really sad. Uh, family, The Ties That Bind and Gag. Uh, and th- not that this is a great book. I'm just giving an example of what this p- person writes uh, in regard to a daughter-father relationship where the dad didn't have much impact. One morning, my father didn't get up and go to work. He went to the hospital and died the next day. I hadn't thought that much about him before. What? I'm like, what? He was just someone who left and came home and seemed glad to see everyone at night. He, hoped the jar of pickle, he opened the jar of pickles when no one else could. He took lots of pictures, but he was never in them. Whenever I played house, the mother doll had to, had to do a lot, had a lot to do. I never knew what to do with the daddy doll. So I had him say, quote, I'm going off to work now, and threw him under the bed. The funeral was in our living room, and a lot of people came and brought all kinds of good food and cakes. We had never had so much company before. I went to my room and felt, and, and felt under the bed for the daddy doll. When I found him, I dusted him off and put him on my bed. He never did anything. I didn't know his leaving would hurt so much. That's sad. In fact, she's young and she doesn't think much of dad, but he's going around. He's bringing the bacon home, right? He's probably working his tail off because he loves his family. But this isn't a dad where she says he was a drunk. You know, he beat me, he abused me. A wicked example. But nonetheless, he wasn't having much of an impact in her life on a personal don't think, dads, that it's enough to bring home the bacon, amen? You want to leave an impression on your children's hearts by spending time with them, amen? So in their lives, teaching them what's right, loving them, encouraging them, amen? And I think it's critical that we leave such examples for our children. I'd be really heartbroken if with my daughters, Holly and Heather, or my, even my son, Josiah, talking about a gal's perspective here, but if I didn't have an impact on their lives, and if all they could remember is that I was like, you know, they had a doll of me they put under the bed all the time because they didn't see me, you know. That's one reason I have my main office. I do, I'm here throughout the week, but I have my main office at home, you know. I want to make sure, because I could do that, that I'm in their lives, you know, have an impact on them. In Proverbs chapter 20, I want you to go there, Proverbs chapter 20, because it's worth looking at. I'm on a men's uh, uh, thread uh, for... Uh, the man that went to the Connecticut, uh, Connecticut, Massachusetts area uh, men's retreat that Good Fight had put on because a lot of the men on the other side of the country that follow Good Fight wanted a men's retreat. I don't know, we had like 40 guys or so from different, all different parts of the country. Uh, and it was awesome, but there's a thread and they encourage each other from time to time and, one, and, and they're just encouraging each other on Father's Day uh, last week. And uh, one brother left this, this proverb to encourage the men, chapter 20 verse 7, and it says this, a righteous man, a righteous man who walks in his what? Integrity. A righteous man who walks in his integrity, how blessed are what? His sons after him. Isn't that powerful? A righteous man who walks in his integrity, so you live for the Lord. Integrity means to have it together in the Lord, in the biblical sense, where you're following him, you're serious about, you've got godly principles, you're living for God's glory. A, a righteous man who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. Amen? 
I love that because in Psalm 127, it says, except the Lord build the house, the laborers labor in vain. But it goes on to say in chapter 28, 128, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. It talks about his wife and his children will be like, you know, fruitful vine at the table. And then it ends, it near, then right after that, it talks about uh, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Man, you need to fear the Lord. Have integrity, walk in righteousness, and your children will be affected. If you don't, well, Proverbs 13.20 says, walk with the wise. Well, if you do, it says, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. A fool in the Bible is one who rejects God's morality, his righteousness. A wise man is one who builds his life on Christ and the rock and obeys the Lord. And if you walk with the wise, you'll become wise. So if you're not a wise person, but you're a foolish person, that's one who breaks God's moral law, then you'll bring up kids that are foolish. They need to see your life. Now, by the way, you can live the most perfect life you can. That doesn't mean necessarily your kids are going to turn out right. God's the most perfect God, amen? He had a couple kids like Adam and Eve, right? So don't, don't say, man, I did everything I could, but my kid, man, or my kids or whatever. You could be living a godly life and still have... It says in Isaiah chapter 1, the Lord said, the horses obey the bits that are put in their mouths, but you will not obey me. So you've gone astray from me. But the point is, you have a much better opportunity to see your children walk in righteousness if you walk in righteousness. If you're walking in rebellion to God, it's almost a foregone conclusion. Most of your kids, if not all of them, will walk in rebellion to God. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse 24 and 25, it says, don't make friends with a quick-tempered people or spend time with those who have bad tempers. If you do, you will be like them, then you will be in real danger. That's why you don't want to drive around listening to rap music, where every other word's a cuss word, right? They're talking about beating, you know, or, you know, talking about loose women and hating on cops and stuff like that. That's programming, okay? And that's not good for you. So we want to make sure that we live for Jesus and we follow him. Amen. Now, it's interesting. Listen to this. This is how important a dad's role is. The Bible says to you, dad and mom and all us Christians, in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 25, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the habit of some, but get together all the more, as we are today, as you see the day of Christ approaching. Now, how much closer are we to his return now than then? Amen. We get together all the more. Right? We have a midweek study, by the way. We have a great time there. I'll get together all the more as you see the day approaching. Dads, you know how critical it is that your kids see you in fellowship? Listen to this. I read some really chilling statistics in, a, in one way, but really encouraging another way. Okay? If one kid, one child, in 50, well, let me back up. If a child in a home is the first person in the household to become a Christian... One of the kids. Guess what the percentage is, is that, that, his, uh, that the rest of the family will become Christians? 3.5. Not very good, okay? My family, my family, I was a kid that came to the Lord, and they all came to the Lord, 100%, but it took time. But it was an, I'm an anomaly, okay? It was a crazy thing that God did. I think that's because how ignorant I was as a non-Christian, and my transformation was so radical. 3.5, okay? Uh, most likely, everybody else in the household will not follow, okay? If the mother is the first one to become a Christian, guess how many people follow? What percent? And she starts going to church. 17%. That's, that's better. That's better. 
But guess what? If the dad is the first one to become a Christian, there is a 93% probability that everyone else in the household will follow his example. That's huge. God called you dads to be an example. And if you're not in fellowship and you're not seeking the Lord, it's the opposite effect. Wow. It's just amazing. I've got all kinds of statistics here. I've given different statistics from different studies and they they all say kind of basically the same thing. The Baptist press stated this, quote, if a father does not go to church, even if his wife does, only one child in 50 will become a regular worshiper. If a father does go regularly, regardless of what the mother does, between two-thirds and three-quarters of the children will attend church as adults. If a father attends church irregularly, between half to two-thirds of their kids will attend church with some regularity as adults. It's very similar statistics. You know what's crazy? Is uh, I was studying elephants some time ago, and I gave an elephant example of what, you know, how we can learn from the animals. And, I, and Joe Pirro, since it's your last Sunday here, Joe, for a while, at least for two weeks, you know. <laughs> uh, he said, hey, I love that elephant example, man. I wish you could give it again and, and you go even more into it, you know. So uh, I was going to use this last week, but we ran out of time. But elephants, you don't see elephants a lot in Scripture. But you do see elephant ivory mentioned in Revelation chapter 18, verse 12, of the whore of Babylon and how they're trading elephant ivory. And it's really sad what happens with elephants and they poach them and kill them just for their ivory to make money off them. And elephants are super cool creatures. They have memories. You hear the memory of an elephant. They have super strong family ties. They'll have a week-long funeral for an elephant that dies. And they'll spend the sticks and dirt. They'll bury their, their... They'll caress the bones of the elephant that died. They'll go back for years and caress the bones. The same, the jawbone. They'll caress the, the bones just the way they caress each other when they greet each other. Say, so miss the elephant that died. And what's really crazy is I was reading that they don't, there's other, all kinds of bones from other creatures that they find, right, in the, in the wilderness. But they do that with their own bones. And they'll go back for years of the memories of their family members. So they, they're really strong family ties. But they'll also do it with human bones. They'll go and, in fact, I was reading that researchers have found that this is like something they, they see, that human bones, they're, they're, they, they protect them. In fact, I read in, in, in Katwe, a, a, an area where they were having a funeral, a man died and they found him, but they couldn't get him because the elephants were there and they were protecting the bones. And they had to fire a volley of shots over their heads to get them to finally move away so they could, so they could bury the guy, you know? So they've got these incredibly strong family ties and uh, we need to be family-orientated. The Bible says, do good to all people, but especially those who are of the family of God. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, you know. And I love, one of the things I love about elephants is mama elephant is so important because when, the children, when their babies are young, they'll use those trunks and they'll grab a hold of mama's tail. And then they'll follow in the steps of mama wherever she goes. And for the first eight years of a baby elephant's existence, they stay within about 15 feet of mama. And the mama, it's just amazing when you think of it. The mama will use the trunk to bathe them, to shower them, you know. She'll use, after she showers them, they'll give a talcum type bath, right? Blow dust all over them and bless them in that way. 
They'll use it to block them when they're heading for danger. Say there's a lion. They'll use it as a rope to create a boundary. They'll use that, horn, that, that trumpet or that, that, that trunk as a trumpet to blow it, to warn their young ones, which is really incredible. And the trumpet, uh, the, uh, the trunk is an engineering marvel when I was reading about it. I mean, they got the power with that trunk to move 500-pound logs out of their kids' ways. But they take that same trunk and it's, are so gentle with it. And they can caress and love and they show compassion to the baby elephants, which is a blow mine. But I was reading the robotics industry and the you know, automation engineers. They can't get close to creating anything like a trunk. That's why this theory of evolution is just so stupid and repugnant, you know? In fact, it's interesting that uh, there are 50,000 different muscles used to control the trunk. And it's powerful, it's so powerful, but it also has a wonderful way of showing compassion. But there's a really interesting phenomenon that's in the last 10, 20, 30 years now that's been going on in parts of Africa, India, Southeast Asia, where elephants are striking out and killing people in villages. And these are areas where for hundreds of years they've had a coexistence that's been very peaceful for the most part. But you have all kinds of elephants turning on humans where in Bangladesh in a five-year span, 300 people were killed by elephants. Uh, 605 people were killed in Assam, which is a northeastern uh, province in India. Uh, they had to create the HEC, which is human-elephant conflict because of all these crazy things that are going on. They're trying to figure out what's changed. Well... Guess what? In uh, Pillensburg, uh, Pilanesburg, I'm not even sure how to pronounce that, P-I-L-A-N-E-S-B-E-R-G, South Africa. I'm sure, Lauren, you could pronounce it, one of our sisters in South Africa that we love. But I'll just call it Pilanesburg National Park in South Africa. Uh, they were having all kinds of incidences where, you know, 50, 60 rhinos were being raped and killed by elephants that were transported there. And they were killing each other. In fact, up to 90% of the male elephant deaths were being killed by other elephants compared to what is normal in their society to have 6% death. But 90% were being killed by other uh, fellow elephants. And they were really trying to figure out what was going on there. And they'd find, they set cameras up, they'd find the elephants, these bull elephants were throwing sticks. Uh, uh, their trunks were using to be harm, harm the rhinos. Uh, the rhinos would be chased by these elephants. They'd finally get exhausted and collapse, and then the, the elephants would trample them to death. And they were going through, they found out that the elephants that were doing this were the young elephants between age 13 and 20 who were going through MUST, which is M-U-S-T-H, which is when these adolescent elephants start to ooze cockiness and, and uh, uh, you know, they get ready to mate, and they're basically going through puberty. And by the way, it's about the same age that our kids go through this. And when they start to exert their independence, isn't that interesting? I thought, what a crazy parallel. That's when kids go through their adolescence and they start to become independent and talk back more and everything else and so forth, you know. Uh, not that I ever had experience that with my kids, uh, but, you know, <laughs> no, we all go through that, you know. <laughs> uh, but you know what? You know what the problem was? They found out what the problem was. When they were transporting all these elephants into Plantersburg Park, the harnesses were too small and not strong enough to carry the big bull adult elephants. So they're dropping off the adolescents without their daddies. And they had no role models. They had no discipline. They didn't know how to be adults. And they're going in adulthood and they're hanging out with their buddies in gangs and terrorizing 
the countryside. Does that sound familiar? It sounds really, really, really familiar. There's striking similarities. In fact, over in uh, Uganda, they saw the same problem. And what happened is one of the villagers named Abe who took care of these, a lot of these, he said, we lost, we had 4,000 elephants. Now we're down to a few. He goes, because they're all killing each other. And what happened is, just like Idi Amin, the Muslim leader that came in and killed off the elderly in our villages and the kids joined gangs, they lost their bull elephant adults and they started hanging out and killing each other and killing everybody else. No dads. Uganda, same deal. He drew a parallel between Idi Amin and what the Muslims were doing to their villages and the kids growing up to the elephants. Quite a striking parallel. Wow. Now, guess what they did in Palanisburg? They started, they created harnesses that would carry the big bull elephants. They brought the big bull elephants in with the young elephants that were there. And guess what? In, a, in an hour, there were already changes. And in weeks, everything went back to normal because dads was there. Now, they were trying to castrate some of them, trying to get their moms with them before they did this. And it wasn't working. Nothing was working. They had to bring the dads in there. It had a huge effect. Satan would like us to think you don't need a mom or a dad. You know, but the statistics show that nearly 24% of children in the U.S. grew up fatherless, right? And you're more likely to deal with drug problems, alcohol problems, mental problems, right? Abuse, suicide, and everything else without a dad in the family. It's imperative that dads are there. How do we apply some of this, guys? How do we apply it? Well, Malachi chapter 4, verse 6 says in the last days that God will turn the hearts of the parents back to their children hearts of the fathers back to the children and the hearts of the children to their parents or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. There is going to be a remnant who will turn back and there are among us believers. Fathers, hearts back to the children, that's where it starts. Dad, you don't wait for your kid to talk to you, love you. You love them no matter what. You reach out to them. You encourage them. We need to learn lessons from the elephants. We need to watch out for peer pressure, right? Because these other, these elephants that went around ravaging the villages and stuff and, and killing rhinos and Palatinsburg and so forth, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, bad company corrupts what? Good morals. Watch out who you fellowship with, who you hang with, who you let your kids hang around. Are you just letting them go on social media and not seeing what they're doing? Because they could be getting an earful of a lot of junk and seduced away from the truth. Uh, we need to use this as an elephant uses its trunk as a rope or to create boundaries. Parents, you need to have boundaries. You just don't want to park your kid in front of, you know, Nickelodeon or the Disney Plus because you're going to allow your kid to be corrupted and it doesn't take long to corrupt kids. The Bible says one sinner can do much harm and we know this lady says that she's talked about her, this one leading animator for Disney says, she's talked about her not so secret gay agenda. There is an agenda. Wake up, parents. Don't just park your kids Russian roulette with their soul. Watch, be very careful what your kids are watching and so forth. We need to lift up our voices like the, like, like the, uh, like the elephant does when there's a lion. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant for your adversary. The devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Amen. We need to lift up our voices like they do as they lift up their trunks to warn them. The Bible says in Hosea 8.1, put a trumpet to your mouth. 
Isaiah 8.1 says, cry aloud, spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. 1 Corinthians 14.8 says, again, if a trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? We didn't make our voices clear, our teaching clear, so our children know the difference between good and evil. Amen? And warn them to stay away from evil. And just as they shower love and blessings upon their, their babies, we need to shower love upon our children. Amen? We need to give them plenty of hugs. Amen. Just like they use those trunks to, trunks to guard their children and warn them or protect them, they use them to love them. We need to show our children affection. Amen. The Bible says in uh, Colossians that we are to love our children, that we're to, I'm sorry, just love everyone, but we're supposed to put on hearts full of compassion. Amen. That we're supposed to show loving kindness. The Bible says we're supposed to bear each other's burdens. Amen. So our, like the trunk, we should, the trunk is used for discipline, but it's used for love. Amen. Your hands should be used for loving discipline and also to show them loving compassion. Jesus says, many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Amen. So we just share love with them. Colossians 3.12 says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another, uh, one another's grievances uh, that, you, uh, that you may have against one another. And most of all, it's imperative that you are an example to your babies, to your toddlers, to your children, to your adolescents, to your grown adult children, leading them in the way of righteousness. You can't bring them to heaven with you on your coattails, but you can help get them on the path of Jesus. And just as a mother elephant guides her elephant through safety, to the waters so they can drink as it holds her tail and walks in her steps. And just as dad clears the logs away and paves the way, well, we already have the way. His name is Jesus. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me, amen. You know what Christianity was called in the first century? In the book of Acts, it's called the way. They called it the way. Jesus is the way. Christianity is the way because it's about Jesus. Parents, the best effect that you can have on your children. You can't just say, oh, yeah, I'm going to church, 93% chance. But you want to, you know what, what's that other 7%? Be careful. You want to make sure that you're truly following, that you're truly following Christ in your daily life. Because a, a kid can spot a hypocrite a mile away. And if you're going to church, but you're using abusive language and you're mean-tempered and you're not loving, you're unforgiving and you're getting drunk and all that stuff, they're looking at you as a hypocrite. That's a bad example. You need to walk the way of Christ, amen? Follow Jesus, Amen? So let's follow his example. Let's live for Christ. And if elephants can do it, we should be able to do it. We're, we're created in the image of God, amen? Praise God. Let's rejoice that the Lord's doing wonderful things in our world even. Roe versus Wade was just struck down. But Roe versus Wade getting struck down doesn't get your kid to heaven. Only Jesus gets your kid to heaven, amen? Only Jesus gets your brothers and sisters in Christ to heaven. Only Jesus gets lost people to heaven, but they need to come to him. Let's be an example, each and every one of us, to everybody we see. Amen. Let's all live for Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Can we please stand up? I'm going to pass out the cup and the bread in remembrance, a tupas, a example, a picture of what Jesus went through for us. The bread being without leaven, bruised, pierced, striped, everything that Jesus went through in picture form for our sins and the